0: Well, hello, I'm Adrian Russell, and I'd like to thank you for kicking it with the Russells, where we discuss family culture, the ties that bind, and how that helps us get to where we want to go. I'm your host, Adrian Russell, and I'm so glad you joined us. This is a Russell family podcast, and as we record, you'll be introduced to different members of the family and our perspectives as we move throughout subject matter. And to note, this is episode number two. So, um, yeah, I think we're uh, the deuce is, uh, you know, a good one to to kick kick off, you know, this latest subject, which is going to be financial literacy. But today I'm joined by two co-hosts and mainstays of the podcast, and I'll let them introduce themselves. But. Uh, so, Jay, go ahead and introduce yourself.
1: Well, my name is Jay, Jay Russell. I, um, I, I'm I excited about our subject matter today. And something that's uh, important to me in regards to some of the things that I do is I'm very big into storytelling. I want to tell all different types of stories and really trying to find a voice, hopefully one day to be in Hollywood.
0: Okay. And for those who don't know, Jay is my brother. So last episode was my mom and my cousin. And here we have my brother and my aunt. Uh, aunt Linda. Uh introduce yourself as well.
2: Sure. And thank you. So my name is actually now Dr. Linda Russell Jordan. Um officially as of May of 2021. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah. I am congrats. Congrats. Uh, thank you. I am a certified life coach, a certified leadership, diversity, equity, inclusion coach, trainer, speaker for the John Maxwell team. And I have my own um, business, um, LRJ Coaching and Business Solution. In addition, when we get to the financial literacy, I have um, a few uh, businesses and they are in real estate investing. And so um, those are probably the most important components of me, in addition to being a wife, mother, breast cancer survivor, aunt, niece, cousin, all those great things. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I don't think that there's a label to contain how much you actually could do. But But we might just have to start calling you Dr. Linda Russell, the Jordan, the greatest of all time. (laughs) Uh, But uh, yeah, so today's topic is financial literacy. Um, And of course, there's like a different ways to like, you know, this is been done up and down um, this topic on several different mediums but i don't think it makes it any less important um because it's it's almost like uh almost anything in the world it's it's been around forever but it's almost impossible to master but we try to find ways to do it a little bit better each time um and there's a bunch of ways that we could broach the subject but let's just start simple you know and then work our ways up so, uh, I'll start with Aunt Linda first and then go to Jay, but like Aunt Linda, so at what age did you really start to value the worth of a dollar and, um, you know, just money in general?
2: I would say, um, at the age of 12, um, I became an entrepreneur. Um, and that was because at the age of 12, of course, you start to think about different things that you want to do, or Uh, items you want to have for yourself. And so being raised on a farm, um, being a middle child, and so we didn't have a lot of money. And so for me, one of the things I wanted to do was, you know, every time, you know, it's time to go to school, you want to have something new, or at least a pair of sneakers or something. And so without having a lot of money, I figured, okay, I've got to figure out a way to get these pair of shoes to go to school with. So I started (laughs) being a shoe salesman going door to door, like on Barney Fife, um, the Annie Griffith show. Um, So I sold the shoes um, company called Stuart McGuire. I had a magazine and I'd get a sample of shoes and I go door to door and sell. And my lovely neighbors and friends from church would buy shoes from me
0: now or is this like in a big city where you're selling these shoes uh, where were where, where was all this happening
2: oh this isn't our really really small town palmer springs virginia probably population of a hundred maybe <laughs> um, oh, where wow. everybody knew everybody oh, everybody went to church together you know we had different churches but everybody knew everybody so um
0: yeah. So and I've spent many a summertime in Palmer Springs. So how far was it to, you know, the next neighbor's house when you're doing all this door to door selling?
2: Um, so it was oh goodness. You probably I'd probably walk about two miles, sometimes a little bit further. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs>
2: but I got I'm just tired photos. hearing
0: the number. <laughs> <Oof. Yeah. laughs> That is not for the faint of heart.
2: <laughs> like, well, 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 yeah, but I well, got j- to j- I, just, I just
1: had a quick question. What? Like, how many how many sales would you would you average per day?
2: I sell at least a pair of shoes a, a day, and I had some faithful cu- customers. Yes. So, um, I mean, wow. that show I sold women and men's shoes, and so yeah, you know, if I made twenty five nice. bucks in a month, I was doing great.
0: So then when you did make that money, uh, what did you end up doing with it? You, like put it in a like a shoebox or in the bank or something or I, Yeah, it was like I, like what would you do with a, your, I put, your
2: I put it in a piggy bank cuz you know it was 20 miles to get to the nearest bank and we didn't have a bank mm, account. Yeah. So I just had a little piggy <laughs> had a piggy bank. Actually it was a ceramic bear that I made in art school and that's where I put my money. Um, and then the beauty was because I was selling shoes for this company, I'd get a discount so I could take that money and buy my own pair of shoes.
0: Oh, wow. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Shoes pay for shoes. The gift, yeah. the circle of life. Uh,
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh, okay. So that was 12. That was a very young age. And I imagine that the the traits that you had instilled at that point, Like kind of trickled down through the years, but is there somewhere where you just kind of picked up that entrepreneurial spirit or is this something you've always had?
2: Well, I picked it up because number one, um, my parents were, which are your grandparents, they were entrepreneurs (laughs) and my grandfather, my dad's father was an entrepreneur, all farmers. And so, Mm. um, you know, we knew how to raise tobacco, cotton, cucumbers, those types of things. And so uh, me and my baby brother, Andre, at the end of farming season, tobacco season specifically, when it was over, he and I would go out to the fields and pick the last leaves of tobacco and make our own little basket. And Pop would take it to the to market so we could sell it. So we could easily get like a couple hundred dollars and then he and I would split it. So, um, oh. we, were, we were, we were hustling.
0: <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> I'd figure
2: out uh, how to make So it when y'all would
0: like, yeah, when y'all were like splitting that money, like oh, y'all get to, y'all got to keep that?
2: Yeah. Yeah. He let us keep it because oh. we went out and we harvest and he told us everything we needed to do. And we went with him to the market and, um, you know, he would place the tobacco out there and farmers would come by and. You know, make a price on it, and he he come back and say, "Hey, this is your share." So yeah, oh we one time I think nice. we made like 150 bucks. We were excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: right, that's a lot of money to a teenager. I mean, even yeah. that was a lot of money to a teenager in like the in the early 2000s. So I can't even imagine how much how far that stretched back in the. Oh yeah. I think uh, I don't want to age you, but like the maybe the 60s.
2: I was born was in 63. The, that... Yeah, so that would last us a whole year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah uh, we didn't have any uh. places to go spend it.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know, the local dairy was... bar was about all we had. <gasps>
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so before we get too deep in, I want to switch it back to Jay so we can get his uh, insight on here. So, Jay, at what age did you really start to value the worth of a dollar or just money in general?
1: Uh, I, I wish I could say I was that young to say I, I, I understood. I don't think I really understood until I was 19. Um, it really started with, well, you and Andrea and myself, we were all in college at the same time. And, and for those guys, who don't
0: know, for those who don't know, Andrea is our, my twin sister, his sister as well.
1: Right, right. So we were all in college at the same time, and I can remember one day. I think I wanted to like buy something. It had to be some clothes or something. And at this time, this time, I'm just asking mom and dad, "Hey, I need some money. I need some money. I need some money." And it didn't hit me until I got less than I usually would have gotten. I think I usually would get like a hundred, and I think this time I got fifty. And my dad's explanation was I got two, I got three of y'all in college now. So I was like, oh, so that means my end's gonna be short. So and then I didn't want to and then I realized, you know, that I started putting it in together like how much does it cost to be in college? And I was like, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. So um and and I mean I had, had part-time jobs prior to this, but I just did it because I wanted to buy stuff. It wasn't until I saw that I had to make what I was making or what I was giving, uh, what I was given, I had to let that stretch a little bit longer. And because Mm -hmm. of that, that's when I was like, okay, if I really want this for money, I have to make it myself. And I'm going to have to save and I'm going to have to prepare myself for times where I, you know, whether I can't receive money or whatever the case may be, I have to go get it. So from that point on, I think I've always had a job. So, mm. um, um, because I, the last thing I wanted to do was ask money, ask for money in a way where it's taking either taking from someone else or making it harder. Because that that's when I started to realize, oh, I don't just, I can't just ask for money and someone gives it to me all the time. So, um, that's when it hit me the hardest, and I started. Mm. I, I mean, I promise you, I think it might have been that very next week I started working at McDonald's.
3: So, oh, wow! Well. Um,
1: man, So that's when I started to. Learn how to work hard and to be able to not ask anybody for anything. That's one of the biggest lessons I took from it as well. Is you know don't put yourself in that position to you have to ask somebody for something. So well,
0: I mean, every now and then we all need a little bit of hope, don't we? No, I mean, this is
1: this is very true. This is very true. Yeah. But but also too now I'm trying to unlearn that in regards to when it comes to some business practices where you are looking for. Whether it's an investor or you're looking for someone to collaborate with um, to for this uh, same or united goal, because I'm now I've gotten to a point where I'm so stubborn I don't want to ask anybody for anything, but then it's going to take me twice as long to do yeah. or get something that if I would have just asked for collaboration, that would have just changed the whole mindset. So or yeah. or that status. So
3: yeah,
0: exactly. So now that we've gotten to the point where like. <laughs> You know, it's like you've you've learned a few lessons and now you feel like you're financially literate. Um, I know that kind of means different things to different people. But what does actually like put turning it back down, Linda, what does financial literacy really mean, um, I guess, to you? And um, I guess uh, how do you how does that kind of shape your worldview as you kind of go throughout the world? and You make decisions on like how to, you know, manage your assets or spend your money or whatever.
2: Well. Financial literacy, um, I didn't really think about it as a term growing up because, you know, first of all, like I said, we really have a lot of money, so can't spend something you don't have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> so, you know, the only time we really physically had money and we weren't making it ourselves, like I explained earlier, was on Sunday we got $5. If you're over the age of 12, you get $5 to put that into church. And so we understood, you know, the importance of giving back. Um, But I didn't really understand money itself until I went to college um, because I wanted to go to college because in our household, you did two things when you graduated from high school was one of two, either went to college or they went to the military. I wasn't going to yeah. the military, so I figured, okay, I'm going to
3: college, <laughs> but
2: <laughs> during that oh. time, yeah, I didn't have access to funding or grants at those times. My older brothers and sisters that went to college, they could get the Pell Grants. By the time I got there, mm. there was no money. So I had uh, well. to, um, you know, work, do, get a job. I worked at Wendy's, actually, what was at uh, North Carolina A&T, and then I... Um, did a work-study program. So I truly was starting to understand that, okay, well, I can't do X if I don't have income coming in to pay or to show that I can pay for um, education. And so that's when the the real um, definition or the real understanding of what a dollar is and what it can do for you or not do for you really came into mm-hmm. fruition because I had to pay my own way. So that's really when it... Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Hit me, <laughs> nice. Uh, and, and same same question to you, Jay. Like, what does financial literacy like? Does that what a team term really mean to you? And how's it? Uh, or how do you try to apply that in your financial decision making?
1: Well, the term when I think about financial literacy, for me, it's a reminder of making good and educated choices when it comes to uh, your financial situation or to your um, current state of income or, or, or money or business in, um, rationale. Um, and, and that's something that you have to learn, not just with the experience, but you have to go out and, and learn some of these things, whether it's through books or through um, other people. It could be advisors, whatever the case may be. But financial literacy is something that's really important um, I guess in a, the the quick way to say it is: it's learn. It's something that has to do with what we do with uh, not just our money and finances. But I, I feel like I'm repeating myself. But ultimately, it, it it's, it's all about the education. That's really boils down to, and, and how you use that education to ultimately get to the point where you can um, uh, see yourself as a success. Um, mm-hmm. I, that's the hope and goal: is to learn, like you said earlier, to learn every day. Um, but to me, that's that's ultimately what it means.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I know to me, like to me, the key word in the whole term is like literacy or almost like reading or language, right? Like when it comes to like ma- money and finances, like you have to know the lay of the land and you have to understand the, the, the language of business and how to make proper decisions in order to set, order to set yourself up for success. And how so, the, how it's uh, going to affect you
1: or, or the people that you love? Yeah, exactly.
0: said so yeah. you guys had more uh, opportunities
2: to learn about that than I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But also too,
1: but you, but, but I think you've you had more experience because where I think I don't know if it was taught to you or not, but I honestly feel like you take more risk, and you and you and with more risk, you take more reward. Because um, I had a conversation with you before about how we were we were taught that you got to always, I don't want to say win, but you got to succeed in everything that you do. And I think, I don't want to go too far into that, but I, I think risk does play a factor. It's an educated risk at that. So, um, and if you don't take that risk, you, you, you lose, well, what did Jordan say? You miss all the shots you never take? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: percent right. of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Right. But so, I do know that like, when it comes to like, Sizing up risk or gauging risk, I guess, speaking to Jay's point, your perspective does kind of color your, or at least your experiences, they color your perspective. So I know for us coming out of the great recession in like 2007, 2008, where we kind of came of age, came out of college and came into like, you know, a terrible economy. That kind of colored our experiences. And again, not to say that like we're scared of investing or anything, but I think we tend to be a bit more risk averse. But again, it depends on where you're coming from, because I mean, as a college student with debt and you just got to find a job and try to like build some assets that could take you one way. Or you could be like kind of bullish where it's like, ah, well, this recession is an opportunity to kind of, you know, hop on some investment opportunities.
1: Um, it's all on how you look at it.
0: Yeah, it is all how you look at it. So um thinking of, well, jumping from that landing point, um, like, do you guys, are either of you kind of uh, in, have any specific investments related to like real estate? I don't want to put all your business out there, but like, I guess I'm trying to get into the realm of like uh, the importance of investing when it comes to finance. Cause, I mean, at one point it's Financial literacy helps you, you know, with personal finance and how to basically keep yourself like out of debt and manage your finances. But then it's at another level of the conversation could be around uh, building wealth and assets. And that's where investing comes into mind. So I don't know, like uh, if you could describe or either of you could describe whether or not you guys are invested in specific types of assets and how you're using that to create some wealth for you now or maybe in the future.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go first. I mean, there's, I mean, based on what Jay just said, it's, yeah, everybody's going to have debt, but there's a difference between good debt and bad debt. So mm. I do invest in real estate. Most people know that. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of debt, but it's good debt. Um, mm. It's debt that you could, you know, if I needed to or had to, I could uh, refinance a property and do what's, uh, you know, cash out. So that's good debt. You know, when you have yeah. credit cards or department stores or things of that nature, that's not good debt. Having a regular visa mm. or American Express, that still is debt, but it's not as bad as, you know, your department store type things. Um, but then, of course, there's the yeah. stock market that you can, you know, dibble and dabble in to see, you know, what that would look like and what type of returns you can get. You know, 401ks or self directed RRAs for those that invest in real estate. Um, But we all need to have some diversified portfolio so that you can save for your future, save for your retirement, and um, have residual income or what I call mailbox money. Um,
3: Mm. So
2: we all need to have some, all funds should be diversified so that you're not. Um, shocked if, you know, you go to work one day and they're like, oh, there's a downsizing or what's called a right sizing. And then you're out in the cold, you don't have any reserves. So those types of things. Hmm. Then they're done that so many times. So I know.
3: (laughs) 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 I know.
0: (laughs) So, Jay, uh, same question. Um, Any, uh, like, any thoughts on, like, I guess, uh, what how you use investing to either build set, like build assets now or maybe set yourself up in the future, um, or thoughts on investing in general.
1: Well, I don't know. I I, I have a, a traditional way, and then I have another way that's a little a little more artistic. Um, what I mean by that is the the traditional way. I have been um, going into the stock market. Matter of fact, I bought some stock today and. Oh. I, what I, what I try to do is, is, is pay attention to the market. Um, I think at the beginning of me investing into the stock market, I, I invested more off of emotion and when I start losing money to a certain point or a certain time, I'm like, oh, I gotta cash out cause I don't want to lose no more. But if I was confident in the investment from the beginning. I shouldn't be so quick to jump out all of a sudden. So, so, um, so
0: what's, that, what's that confidence supposed to be built on, though?
1: It's supposed to be built on research. It's supposed to be built on not only you knowing the company, but knowing where the company is going. That's why they have those reports. That's why they have those um those news briefs. And that's why they have those things, of up-and-coming things as a company, because what they're trying to do is entice investors to invest into the company because they're saying that they can't guarantee it, but that promising growth, that's what they're trying to allude to. And you want to go to those companies that have a proven track record on on that growth that, that you want to invest into. So um, those, those are some things that I, I look at now. And I look at, I know Adrian said this before, and I think you quoted uh, Warren Buffett, but if you invest in something, invest as if you're going to be investing for 20 plus years. Like that right. you're going to be there for a while. Um, now some stocks, I know for a fact, I'm not going to be there for a while, but that's for me to do that research and say, okay, I know this is going to happen. There's a certain price point that I want to make sure that it hits. And once it hits it, I'm out. So, but there are other, um, properties such as, uh, Disney, um, that particular stock. I'm probably not going anywhere because I'm very confident, um, in their, not just their, their, uh, business plan, but then. How do they see to go in the future in regards to their future plans? Their the what they want to increase? How they are increasing profit? I like everything that I see. I don't have any anything. I don't have anything to question in regards to what they're doing currently that I know about. Um. So, yeah. Uh, the, uh, hmm, hope I asked your question? Yeah.
2: I just say stock market is like fast food. Oh. You either want McDonald's or you want Sullivan's Steak. <laughs> you know, if you wanted to go in and out, you go to right. McDonald's. If you're going in for the long haul, then you go to Sullivan's because you know your meal's gonna take you about an hour, two hours. So it's like you know, deciding what yeah. you want to eat.
1: True, but but I will say the other thing I was talking about as far as the artistic investment—that's the one that is taking the longest. But I hope it would be just as rewarding, um, and that's. No, you
0: like when you say artistic. You mean like you, you invested in like paintings or something, or?
1: Well, I mean that is one thing you could do. But what I'm currently talking about is, for example, um, filmmaking. So oh. if I am a investor, if I'm an investor and I invest ten thousand into someone's film project, then what I'm looking to do is not only am I looking to get a return back on the money that I invested, but I'm also too looking for a premium. I'm looking for a percentage of that money to come back. And during the entire life of the project or the process, I'm going to be getting, well, what um, I'm going to describe as mail, mailbox money, I'm yeah, going to be getting money know. from how it, right. right. I'm going to be do, getting money on how well it does, whether it's in the theater, whether it's on television, whether it's streaming, whether it's um, uh, DVD or Blu-ray sales, which are you know, going down to a very minimum. But the point is, I'm getting something off of that because I was one of the primary investors to get the to project running. Um, those, are, those, are, those can be lucrative, similar to the stock market, but it's really all dependent on someone else doing the work and someone doing their due diligence and the market, because you could put out a zombie movie out today and if the market isn't right for a zombie movie, you might be sitting with a property that's not making any money. So, it's, it's there's, there's a little more risk involved into it. You really want someone who's um, they're an enthusiast. They know that they're they're doing something for the art, and there's a chance that they might not get the investment back.
0: But yeah, that I know inter- investing in entertainment. That's it seems like a potential. Uh, a, seems like a high. A potential for a lot of uh, high gains there but also a, a lot of high risk as well just because right. uh i don't know audiences are fickle um very much so,
1: so. very much so so, so I, you know you, I, you I, could have a,
0: yeah you could have an artist who you know you believe in their artistic integrity and their vision and their product but then if audiences don't take to it then you might have just wasted i mean Ten grand for like an uber small project, but like you know, you know, people invest millions and pun millions of dollars in these movies, and sometimes they go belly up. Right. So, how do you how do you keep your ear on the market just to know whether or not you got a good thing? Because I mean, that is a form of investing. That's a very specialized expertise you have to have to 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 know whether or not you got a good thing or not.
1: That's that's very true. Even from the point of uh, an artist, if you want to invest into a music a music artist, um, like I said, the the landscape is always changing and it's you're 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 hoping that the team that you're investing in is doing their due diligence and they are taking the time and doing the work to pay attention to not just the market but also to the um you know really trying to cut down cost to maximize their dollar. Um so it's like I said, like I said, that's one of the the, the uh riskier ways to invest, but also too it's a high reward. Because if it hits, it it can be something like uh, get out where you know that that didn't have a very large budget, but it hit more than three times its budget. I think it hit maybe five times its budget, um, getting money back, not counting you know um, video on demand or DVD or Blu-ray sales or um, streaming rights or or putting it onto cable television. That that really hit big. That that hit that hit very. So they hit so large that they won't expect the net to make that much money. So, um, so it, like I said, it just depends on, on the perfect conditions of the stars online. Um,
0: well, I mean, if I can take anything away from either approach, whether it's like real estate investing or investing in um, uh, movies or entertainment, it just sounds like that's going to take a lot of time, life, and research, and, uh, or at least dedication. And I don't know, like, I mean, of course, I wasn't like in that mode in like my teens or 20s, but now I'm a bit more receptive to that kind of research and stuff. But it's kind of hard to know where to get started on something like that, especially if you're, if you're someone who hasn't like been investing now, but you're kind of interested. Like, it's kind of hard to know where to start. Like, how did, I mean, I don't know, like, how, yeah, how did you guys get started in, um I guess, ventures like that to where you are today? Because it's, you know, it kind of seems, it's very uh nebulous as far as like where the boundaries are or the entry points so i don't know y'all like how did y'all get started in that stuff
3: well
2: from, from a real estate perspective it's it's not um it's not as difficult as people make it out to be it's just the, is, there's a lack of knowledge a lack of understanding um and that's where the fear comes in you know but i mean i got started by my next-door neighbor elderly person who was looking for options, um, you know, lived alone, unhealthy. And so she's looking for options. And so it was an opportunity that she and I agreed upon that if I bought her house, she would still live there until her last days. And that's how I really got started in real estate. You know, I didn't know anything about buying it, but I knew that I wanted to help her. So I was focused on helping her. And in doing that, I learned how to buy real estate. Now, not I didn't know how to do it the right way at the time, but over the course mm-hmm. of my journey, I learned the proper way to do it by educating myself. And then the more I educated myself, the more I end up buying. But, you know, in the beginning, mm. it's, it's scary because you're not sure where Where am going to get the money from. So I figured out, okay, well, yeah, hey, yeah. I got to figure out, how do I get the money? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's it's trial and error, and you have to go in there. In starting any business, you need to know what is your why. You've got to define that. You know what do you get? Why do you get up in the morning? You know what gets you going every single day. And once you know what that why is, then you will continue to persevere to get through the struggles and the triumphs and the challenges because there's an end goal of where you're trying to get to. And so you just bypass all of that because gotcha. you know. If you, you know, if you don't have any money, you go ask somebody, how do I get that? And when people see where you're going, <laughs> then they're more willing to help you along yeah. the journey. So, I mean, that's how mm. I got started, just by having a conversation.
0: So when you say you, uh, you didn't know how to do it the right way at the beginning, but then you educated yourself over time and with the education became a stronger proficiency in learning the, the language of real estate. But like, what, how did you like, was it just like freehand, edu- like self-education to like the internet or did you like take some courses or something? Or? Oh,
2: no, 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 nothing, an internet. So I, um, back in the day, cause I'm a little older. Um, so I started following the gurus, <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking at what yeah, yeah, yeah. said, looking at, um, you know, back in the day it was Carlton Sheets. You know, he was the real estate guru at the time. There's Ron Lagrand there's Robin Thompson. Mm, so I started mm. following all those people. And then, um, I ran into three guys out of California, um, the fortune builders team. So I bought into their program. I studied it, learned all that I could, and then moved fast forward. I bought a franchise in the real estate business and, um, I just continued to learn and still learning, uh, because education mm. you could never learn too much. Um, But there's a cost to learn. I mean, nothing's free. You got to give a little to get a little. Um, But that's kind of how I started my journey.
0: Okay. Nice. And uh, same question to you, Jay. How did you get started in, uh, because it sounds like either you're, you've already already invested into some forms of entertainment or you're looking to, um, but what was your entry point to that field?
1: Um, well, in regards to that particular field, I ended up going to uh, grad school, UNC School of the Arts, uh, in Winston Salem, North Carolina, and that's where I got my um, MFA as far as uh, creative producing or as a as a producer. So, uh, with that and with uh, talking with uh, Dr. Jordan about <laughs> real estate, that really that really helped me understand the business side of it. And I was, I was able to understand, like, even when I bought a townhome, it really helped me understand uh, rights, copyrights, um, who owns those rights and how do they distribute it. And it really helped me understand the structure of business. And once I understood that, and once I understood that, like, I'm not going to act like I know all the business of film, but once I started to understand those things and how they related to the housing market, it's easier for me to see it in almost just about any type of business. There might be different lingo, there might be different processes, but essentially it's about the same. So um, in regards to how business is um, done and how it is regulated. So Mm. it's very similar. So learning that helped me to see it across the board. Um, It even helped me with uh, understanding stocks. So in regards to understanding what you're putting your money into um what is a you know what is how do they sell that particular story to you to, to for you to be interested in what does it mean to when they release this information or you know what they plan on doing in the future when apple does their reveal for the new technology why is it that their stock goes up mm-hmm. and why is it that they have a hold on a market like no one else The things of that nature like it really helped me understand that. And with that knowledge, I'm able to um, do certain things, not just in the stock market, but I do a little bit of crowdfunding. Um, And with that, I'm not necessarily getting any residuals. But what I'm doing is I'm putting myself in a place where people recognize that that's something that I do and I'm getting credit for it. Because again, one of the biggest things you can do to uh, market yourself is to have that credit, uh, that credibility of knowing not knowing but that credibility of people can see what you've done and now they're they're wanting to listen to what you have to say or or put things you're allowed you're bringing more to the table with with certain credibility so um so right now almost almost like a credit score almost like a credit score yeah if you can see my track record and you say hey you know they they've been doing this for a while that's that's what i've been doing lately with uh crowds um funding and, and also, too, I'm really studying how others get money. So um, how is it that this this particular campaign convinced me to put in my heart on money, knowing that I'm not going to get a dime back?
0: And you're talking about crowdfunding campaigns in general.
1: Correct. I'm, I'm talking about in general. So, I mean, you, mainly these are for like whether it's short films or they could be for a web series um, or it could, or the last one I did was for a comic book. So, um, but like I said, the main thing I'm looking for is do I see value in the product and how can I get credit for, um, you know, putting time and money into it before it blows up, before it becomes a household name? It's it's like, again, like I said, art is, it can be risky, but, um, but the more you expose into it, the more you kind of can see, all right, this person is serious or this person is not serious. They're playing around with money. Like I'm in one a crowdfunding campaign where someone's making a comic book, and it was supposed to come out last this past February. They're still working on pages. They got to the point where the artist who was drawing the comic book, um, she had a lot going on, and she ended up having to step away. They had to bring a whole another artist in to finish the book. And it doesn't help that the author keeps writing in different. Parts of the story, adding new parts of the story, adding a different ending, alternative stuff. You keep adding that, and now it's to the point, I'm, I don't care if the comic book comes out now because it's, it's, it's not in a position where it can make money in the future. So Damn, this, um, it so, sounds
0: like a uh, sounds like a construction project that's over budget and over schedule. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I mean, but I mean, but that to me that that adds value to um, that takes away value from their credibility. So if they did another campaign again, I wouldn't participate. And that's something I'm learning from the point of, when I do my own campaign for something that is near and dear to my heart, I wanna be sure that, you know, um, some of the lessons that come out of our family is, do what you say you're gonna do, um, uh, treat people like you wanna be treated, that sort of thing. So I just wanna be sure that I'm not doing the same thing that someone else is doing as far as those errors are concerned. So. Okay.
0: Um, cause again, it sounds like one of the, I mean, I'm sure there's like money, uh, there's like sunk costs in that project, uh, that you can really can't get back. But another one of the sunk costs is just time. Mm-hmm. sounds like there's like, you know, I don't think it's really wasted time cause you're, you're learning, but still like, I guess it is a bit of a risk when you have to choose which project or which, you know, particular venture you're going to invest your time and your money into. So, as Dave Chappelle put it in one of his most recent stand-up specials, there's a, there's a difference to be between being in poverty and just being broke, you know, because <laughs> yeah. one's more of like
3: because
0: like poverty is like a, a generational mindset or more of like a state of being um, where you have a, a learned culture of just uh, um know, poor money management skills uh, or just an underappreciation of like, you know, financial assets. But then being broke or poor just means you ain't got the money. So like, have you guys ever been broke before? Uh, or has or there ever been a spot where you just didn't really have that much money? And then like, who did you lean on for support? Or how did you really, you know, get to a point where you could uh, have more flexibility financially?
2: Have I been broke? Yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> We're
2: talking. Didn't have two nickels to rub together. Um,
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, in college, it was me, a hot pot, and oodles and noodles. That's broke. Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> we've, we've all been there. <laughs> that is oh,
2: totally broke. I mean, college. I was broke as you could get. I mean, I you know stayed on campus all the time because I was working and I didn't have enough money to go back from North Carolina to Virginia and um, work two jobs. And, you know, it was one of the reasons I ended up um, leaving college to go find a job because I was so broke. And I'm like, I'm tired of being broke and you can't study and educate your mind when you are broke. You're so focused mm-hmm. on being broke. So I, mm-hmm.
3: uh,
2: yeah, I went and got a job. And then after I got a job, I was like, crap, they're going to pay for me to go back to school cha-ching so (laughs) i'm
3: gonna
2: take that route (laughs) but yeah i mean you know when when, if you're a struggling college student it's tough if you don't you know you don't have parents that you can go to because again you know my parents were still you know farmers so they didn't have any money to just send me in the mail but i will say Mm. i had my aunt Jessie russell who is one of my father's sister-in-law's um She is deceased now, but every month she would send me $5 in a card every month.
3: Mm. And that was
2: my spending money in college. She would send me $5. So I knew I was getting $5 every month, um, (laughs) you know, to help. And it wasn't a lot, but it was the thought that she was sending me that $5. So I saved it every month, you know, that way I have Hmm. enough to, I start in August. I got enough money to save up so I can drive, put some gas in the car and drive home for the holidays. Um, so it just mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, gives you a whole new perspective of the value of what a dollar is and not to blow it. Um, you know, even if it's just extra income, you just put it aside and save it until you do need it. But yeah, mm. I've been broke.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Very true.
2: Very true. Yeah. Than broke uh, and broke So
0: yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I, 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 I
1: oh, okay.
0: yeah, I think they call that broke broke. Yeah.
1: But, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, I have a a similar story. It's not it's not the same, but it's similar. So, um, but it's this but it was it was to my own it was my own fault. So, um, I think the last time I didn't have any money, I had gotten a speeding ticket. And I had to pay for the okay,
2: speeding ticket. You ain't rope and you got a speeding ticket. You were driving. You
1: had gas. Well, let me paint the picture. Let me paint the, paint the picture. So I got a speeding ticket and I called my folks. And my dad was like, he ain't paying. He said, because I should have learned last time and I ain't learned this time. So, he oh, so
0: this wasn't your first speeding <laughs> ticket.
1: So this was yeah. the first speeding ticket. So I had to pay for that, and at the time I wasn't conscious of that I could go to court because I had to go to work. So I paid for a lawyer, which cost extra money. So then rent was coming up. So I had just un- I had just filled up my gas tank. So all I had was gas left, but I had to pick between either food or soap because I had just ran out of soap, and I was like, I have to go into work, but I can't afford both. So I picked soap, but I couldn't eat. And at the time my roommate, he was low on on food and he was waiting to get paid. So I had to that that taught me a hard lesson that I had just enough gas to get to work, but I couldn't eat for a little bit. And I was like, I don't like this feeling. I don't like that. Oh, one more thing. I'm sorry. So I had to pay rent. And I had just enough money to pay rent in my bank account. And the bank wouldn't let me take the money out. Because I was like, if you take all the money out, you won't have enough to keep the bank account open. We'll have to close it. So the last thing I remember, I don't know if you remember this, Adrian, but the last thing I had to do, I went to you. And I said, look, man, I need, I can't remember how much money I need. I said, I need this. And I promise you the next time I get paid, I'll pay it back to you. And that's the last time I was broke. That's the last time I didn't have any money where, where I could spend. I didn't ask you for food money. I just asked you just enough money so I could pay rent. So <laughs> And
0: I, I assumed I gave it to you? Yes. Yes, <laughs> you did give it to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that was the last time that I, I ultimately, like, I, after that, I made sure that I had a certain amount that always stayed in savings, a certain amount that I saved per month, Um even if I had to overspend that month, I, I made sure I put that money back because I don't know. I was just, I don't know if the world taught me that or if that's just me, but I just don't like being in that position where I, ha- like, I don't mind if I have, if I'm asking for something extra, but if I have to, if I'm my, my last, I, it's just, for me, it was just a terrible feeling. I I, I don't want to feel like, like like that again. And I try to position myself where I never have to feel like that again. So, Man,
0: yeah, I think we've all had that little moment of clarity where it's like, oh, there's got to be a better way to manage money. Um, I think for me, it was junior year of college where I was going to go see a. I was in UNC Greensboro. I was going to go see a girl and UNC Charlotte and I was driving back and forth. It was about, you know, hour and a half, two hours to get over there. And I was on the way to, like, you know, leave Greensboro for like the umpteenth time. And I go to the, get some cash out the ATM. The ATM's like, you ain't got it. <laughs> and I was like, damn, okay. Uh, I'm like, yeah, so surely I don't think I'm going to making it in down this time. Um, also, I might not make it down for the rest of the semester. Cause <laughs> so at that point I was like, okay, maybe I should like, you know, plan this out instead of just kind of going by the my whims so um yeah i think these lessons always like help us learn uh, hopefully they help us learn better ways to take care of money and not and not only just have something away from a rainy day but just build enough to where we can like have because i think there's freedom in being able to make choices with your money instead of always having to react and to it like an emergency but um but yeah, I think part of that is just uh, understanding like how much I think it's just personal finance in general. Just understanding how much you need to keep in the bank every month to to take care of all your expenses and then building towards whatever financial goals you might have. Um, but again, it's it's hard to do, um, and because even like you know people who make six figures or millions of dollars are still sometimes end up being bankrupt they have to file bankruptcy or being um or they just end up broke or you know financially destitute so one question i have to pose to y'all because i got maybe one or two more questions and then we got to close it out but why do you think it's uh such a hard skill to master though the hard I skill mean, to
2: master managing your money
0: Yeah, yeah, just managing your money or just uh, being financially – I mean, it seems simple, but then, you know, you hear stories all the time of people who have like $10,000 worth of credit card debt Um, or they might – they or they they say a a large contingent of, you know, the American public, American working public. They live with – they're like one paycheck away from like financial ruin or one like blown transmission or one financial emergency away from kind of a full-blown panic. Um,
1: well, well, I don't think I don't think it's like one easy answer. Uh, I think some of that has to do with circumstance. Um, because if you know you're uh, if you're not pre- if you don't save, you're not prepared for your water here to go out or to replace a roof. Like like you said, that could really hurt someone down the line, and maybe they don't know to save or or to prepare for that. The other thing I think is really a uh, society. We are in a society where everything that glitters is like I gotta have it. And and we're taught if you don't have it, then you're out the loop or you're or you're not, you know, in the in crowd. So I, I think society has a little bit to do with that because if you want to be hip, if you wanna be in the know, get it by any means. And it kinda hurts from a, um if you're not prepared financially. We're not taught we're taught to get it now, not wait and get it when you can afford it. So, I mean, I think it has a little, I mean, I think it's, it's a few more factors as well, but those are the two biggest things that come to mind.
3: Okay.
2: okay. Um, I have oh. a little different perspective. Um, I'm a different age group. I'm a baby boomer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for most of the baby boomers, we were taught to, you know, like I said before, go to college or you go to the military. So you get a job, you work for 30 years, or you go to military, you stay for 20 years. You know, either way, you're going to come up with pension, get your social security, retirement, and then you pass on. Um, so that was the thought process um, back then. And a lot of baby boomers, I mean, that's what we did or are doing. I, I tried to kind of break the mold. Um, but, you know, it's 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 all about how you're brought up and how you're taught and what's your value on the mo- on money? And then learn not to, you know, for lack of better words, keeping up with the Joneses, which relates to some of what Jay said. But that's where sometimes people are. Um, but the bottom line is don't spend what you don't have, don't live above your means. Um, and don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Now, yes, we're all going to have some kind of debt credit card. Even if you have a house, no one's expecting the hot water heater to go out or your stove to blow up or your transmission in your car to die. You don't plan for that. What you do plan for is to pay your mortgage and you plan to pay your insurance and your light bill and your water bill and your car payment and your house payment. That's what you plan for. But a lot of times people don't put money aside for those additional things, because if you're working a nine to five and you're getting a certain amount of money, that's all you're going to get. And you don't have kids. You don't have time to be working two jobs. So that's why it's important to, you know, have diversification. And early on, there wasn't a lot of opportunities for diversification because you had to have money in order to diversify. So if you don't have that income coming in, you can't really set aside money to do anything extra with. Um, so it just depends upon your circumstances. True, true, true. It depends upon your environment. It depends upon the connections that you have, people that you know. Um, so a lot of factors go into that um, based upon where that person is at the moment and where their mindset is, because it all, it is all about mindset. If you believe that, you know, I'm going to get my paycheck, I'm going to pay what I have to pay. Unless if I can do that. So that's why some people clip coupons because they're trying to save money. So everybody's mm-hmm. got different ways of, of mm-hmm. doing things and looking at finances very differently. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when you leave this world, you can't take none of it with you. So
0: put it
2: aside for, you know, generational wealth, you know. A lot of people have generational wealth. Look at you know the Coca Colas and the Pepsi's and companies like that. I mean, they have generational wealth, so they plan for that. But the average individual doesn't necessarily plan for that because we're just planning for the next day, and and so it's all circumstantial.
0: Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. In the when you put it like that, it does make sense. Um, It's kind of hard to think about, you know. The entire forest when you stuck between two trees just exactly trying to, you know Yeah. Make it's, it to the next one
2: yeah it's it's hard to do
0: but i mean if you can make i guess if you can make time a little bit by little bit to you know either you know get yourself in a sustainable financial situation and then start thinking about investing or asset building i think it, it all comes with you know incremental steps
2: Yeah, it does. I mean, think about it. You know, the average, when I grew up, if someone dropped a penny on the ground, everybody was looking for that penny, looking for that dime. Nowadays, you can have a hundred (laughs) pennies on the ground. Ain't nobody going to pick one up. (laughs) You can walk right over top of it. But that's the difference in mentality. That's the difference in mentality as time has occurred. I'll still pick up a penny, but I see people walk by. I've seen people walk by a dollar because it ain't a $20 bill. I'm thinking mm. it's it's money. But see, yeah. that's that shows the value. I will pick up a dollar or a penny where someone like mm, what am I gonna do with a dollar? Put it in your pocket
3: <laughs> and <pay them>. save <laughs> it. Mm. Well,
0: I mean, I know at least growing up, our our father, your uh, brother, was definitely frugal himself. <laughs> like <laughs> uh like it was times when I honestly thought we was we were poor just cause you know, Dad was like very like stringent. He was just strict financially. Um, I mean, of course, he liked to spend money on what he liked to spend money on, but like, you know, if I'm not getting like the name brand Jordans or like the most latest designer shoes or anything or the pants and all the flashy stuff. I'm getting like uh,
1: L-, no, L A. gears,
0: L A. gears, or ABS yeah. sneakers and some khakis and you know, non name brand stuff. But it's like it's it's suitable to wear. But then, you know, it kind of blew my mind one day when uh, I think we we needed to go. uh, I think we need to pay for like college tuition. Like I think it was the last day to pay. And somehow we had kind of missed or it kind of just slipped through the cracks. And yeah, yeah, we were like, uh, oh, snap, we need to I'm not going to be able to go to school or I'm not going to be able to finish school if we don't get this done. And dad was like, oh, just wrote a check. It's like you and mommy go to the school and uh go to the cashier's office, take care of it. I was like, right. huh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, now, I remember one time, uh, I think at one point we had like, like six cars in the in the driveway. I yeah. think four of them needed to go into the shop. Like one was like a transmission, one was like <laughs> head gasket. And when Dad was telling me like how much stuff costs, I was like, how do we pay for all? He paid everything with a check. I mean, just, just, I mean, one, some needed tires, something like it, it was something wrong with all of them. And he was able to get all of them back in a week. And I was like, how? Like, that, that's what opened my mind. Like, maybe, maybe they ain't telling us everything. Cause, right. c- cause I'm, most I'm people just... I know. Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry.
0: Now I'm just—I'm thinking just about the names. Like we ain't got money for Jordans, but you can. Fi- oh, but he can fix the cars. Okay, that can—that's s- for the money. Because
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> most most people, like I remember going to college, telling someone about that, and it was like if something happened to their parents' car, they looking for another car because you know for them at the time it's easier to go get another car than it is to um, sit there and pay for like that amount of damage to a car. I know one time my Dad hit a deer, got the car back in two weeks, like like it was brand new. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, just
0: oh, and the car was totaled
1: too. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's is like you said, it's it's amazing what he saved money on, but yeah. when he spent well, it, it just yeah. yeah,
0: like it's it's all about priorities, and I think it's one one thing to like like on Linda said, you don't chase the uh, try to keep with the Joneses, like you don't live you know, it's almost like you have to live below your own standard of living, not poor or anything, but just make sure that like you're putting enough money away to take care of, you know, problems for future Adrian or future Linda or whatever. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think the last question, because I think we're coming to the end of the run time, but uh, it's been a good conversation so far, by the way. Um, and we're very lucky to have you on. Um, <laughs> but uh so when it comes to money management or finances in general what's the most interesting piece of advice that you've ever gotten or someone's gave you that's kind of stuck with you today
2: the most interesting piece Hmm. that's an interesting question Jay, you have an answer first. <laughs> um, I
0: mean, I mean, I can provide an example. Um, I think I'm not sure if it was grandma or maybe it might be mom or dad or like someone who's one of my mentors. But they're basically like, "It's good to use your money. It's even better to use somebody else's money." Right? Yeah, <laughs> no, that's definitely true. Yeah, because I mean, when it comes to like credit, it's like, like you said, debt's not a terrible thing, um, especially if you're using it to to build more. Or at least to build assets for the future. So if you're, you know, getting like into real estate and you've got healthy debt or healthy levels of debt, right? You can use that. Um, It's better than using your own cash because you don't want to be house poor, spending all your money in the house. You can't spend on nothing else, right? So, um, but as long as you're you're responsible with your debt and keeping it at, um, you know, tolerable levels, it's. I mean, that's what we have credit for. and i think some people are afraid of credit just cuz you know the bad habits will get you into like a bad situation but if you are smart with it you can definitely flip it into some very um you know generous assets
2: so. yeah yeah i mean i I'd, I'd say probably the best advice i've ever learned throughout my entire life is one simple word and that's leverage
0: mm. leverage so for the uninitiated, uh, what might leverage mean or in, re- in regular folks' terms?
2: Yeah, so leverage means, you know, a lot of people always, you know, are thinking that, okay, you got to have liquid cash. Yeah, it's good to have liquid cash, but if you have assets that you can leverage, in a lot of cases, that's even better than having cash because that shows that you have credibility. And you know how to get more cash. So in the real estate industry, you know, I use other people's money. um, But by having assets, I can leverage my real estate to get more cash. So that's called leverage, you know, so you don't physically have to have, you know, $500,000 to buy a piece of property. If you have networked and connected with other individuals or partners and you can leverage those relationships you can get that money and use your assets as collateral mm. um, so there's different ways to do that um so it's not always about being liquid but it's it's leverage
0: okay leverage nice um uh, yeah use what you got to get what you want um. exactly
2: people <laughs> 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 use that in other ways we're
3: yes. <laughs> <laughs> talking real estate <laughs> 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 All right, so
0: yeah, Jay, final thought for you. Uh, what's the most interesting uh, piece of advice someone's given you regarding um, the, uh, money? I
1: don't know. I don't know if it's a, if it's advice, but it was an observance. I'm I'm in my uh, town home. I, work, I, I I volunteer for a homeowner owner association. I'm on the mm-hmm. board, and one of the biggest things I took from that was the amount of money that you can bring in, but then there's a certain percentage you want to always put, guarantee that goes into savings. There's a certain percentage that goes into the bills. And then you have your working um capital. And I was just amazed. I mean, cause I've always told, you know, save money for a rainy day, but they broke it down to a science, cause it was like, cause we can buy this because we know this money's coming in and we got this into savings. And it's okay to dip in savings for a little bit, but you gotta put it back. Like in and, and from that and just breaking it down percentage wise. I, I was I was blown away. I was blown away because, I, again, I didn't think to do it that way or to think of myself, my brand, as a corporation or as a business entity to where I would break down things business-like. I think right. once I started seeing that, it I can see it in other areas. It's easier to manage. It's easier to manage because I don't have to say, well, I want this thing. I do have to debate. It's like, well, if it's not in the budget, it's not in the budget. Just that's, that's goes in the savings. So it makes it easier for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: The thing you gotta remember too, about savings is you always, I mean, savings is just for a rainy day, but right. if you're not using or leveraging your own savings, who do you think is using it? The bank.
3: Yeah. That's right. The true,
2: bank right. is leveraging your money. And then when you go to the, to apply to get your money or get a loan, they're like, eh, Nope. So, you know, that's why I put my money in real estate. So, I'm going to use my own money and pay my own self interest because if you put your money in the bank, they're not going to lend it to you. That's what freaks me out. You're putting your money in the bank, you apply for a loan, and 50% of the time, they may tell you, well, you know your debt to ratio is a little bit off or a little too high. You won't meet this criteria. Well, that's my flipping money.
3: Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah that's it. That's yeah.
2: it. They're not going to loan you your own money, but they will take your money and loan it to someone else.
0: But yeah. also, they give you like they supposedly give you interest on um, for using your money, but like today's oh, interest zero rates, zero zero one percent. Yeah. 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 yeah, percent. Like it's it's crazy.
2: Yeah. So, nah, not happening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Not happening.
2: (laughs) I have a bank right now that calls me. they're like, can you, are you interested in, no, I'm not. Because when I came to you for funding, you didn't want to help me. Mm
0: -hmm. And now
2: you want, nah, I don't think so. (laughs) I hear you.
0: I hear you. Yeah, back then it didn't want you. Now you hot they all on. You,
1: all, so. all
0: on
2: right. It's like, no, we we ain't doing that.
0: <laughs> so and I think with that we've come to a good closing spot in our podcast. I'd like to give uh of course Jay Russell and Dr. Linda Russell <laughs> Jordan all the thanks for joining me on this podcast. It's been it's been a, a scintillating conversation. I really appreciate having you guys on. And we will have more of these type discussions uh, and more of these uh, hosts as well. Because for those who aren't familiar um, with this particular podcast, we'll be rotating guests in and out who are part of the family um, and maybe some family friends. We we will see what it turns into. but yeah. um, So you'll definitely see Linda, Jay, um, Alex, mom. My You'll meet my sister eventually. Uh, yeah. So again, uh, stay tuned. Um, you can, if you have any questions for us or want us to expand on anything else, uh, send any questions to Russell podcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll go from there and um, yeah. Pick up any leads you might drop us. So um, again, thanks for spending the time with us. We really appreciate you for kicking it with the Russells and uh, we'll catch you on the next one.
3: All right.